Hello, and welcome to the Biotech 2050 podcast. Biotech 2050 is a think tank chronicling the disruptions changing the biotech industry over the next several decades. Check out our website at biotech2050.com or on your favorite podcast listening platform. I'm Rahul Chaturvedi, co-founder of Biotech 2050 and today's host. I'm also the founder and CEO of Clora. Clora is a future of work platform that's organizing and providing access to the world life sciences expertise to help bring new therapies to patients faster. I'm very excited to welcome Timothy Kafer, CSO at Viasite, and Mansi Jaman, CMO at Viasite. Thanks to both of you for joining us today. Our Thank pleasure. you for having us. So Mansi, let's start with you. If you could, please walk us through the arc of your career and how you got to where you are today. Absolutely. It's a fairly unusual route for someone in pediatric endocrinology, but I can just start with that. So I had, I guess, an underlying interest in type 1 diabetes and type 2 diabetes, given a family history of both that led me into endocrinology after doing pediatric residency. And uh, I was really interested, you know, from a personal standpoint, but also the physiology. And, you know, that led me to do my fellowship at Mass General Hospital. And I always wanted to be at the innovative side of driving management and changing management. So that actually led me to really hound almost the PI that was doing the artificial pancreas trials at Mass General Hospital. So Stephen Russell, I was almost at his door weekly until I was able to get a spot on his team as a fellow doing research. You know, and that was one of the major pivotal points in my career and trajectory because it informed kind of what I wanted to do as I moved forward in the space. So joined the team, stayed there, uh, became an attending at Mass General. You know, I think I was ready to do more and do it in a wider scope. And so I started looking in pharma and biotech. I actually also was at the Harvard Innovation Lab for a while as a consultant doing work on chronic patient platforms. You know, all of that combined, knowing that I wanted to be in the space and also wanted to work on chronic disease, such as type 1 diabetes, led me to work at Covance, Covance being a CRO. But for me, that was important as a foundation for someone coming straight from academia. I would get a chance to work with multiple different companies, learn about how different companies perform and what kind of the asks are. And that's really what led me to Viasite because I met the CMO at that time, just within the first year of joining Covance. And I was hooked. I said, this is exactly what my patients need. Throughout this entirety, I was obviously seeing patients. And even through my entire career until about a year ago, I was still seeing patients. Each step has been informed with their questions and what the burden that they actually have. And I was lucky enough to find myself at Viasite to work on a functional cure. It's a road and it's a journey, but I'm really excited to be part of it. Great. And what was that transition like for you going from MGH to then biotech and working at a CRO? And what were some of the things that surprised you initially when you made that transition? I didn't know what to expect, but I also realized that my clinical skill set and my background was going to be probably the most integral <laughs> on that transition. Yes, you know, we did clinical trials and in such a smaller way. And to think about things in terms of FDA interactions, it is different. It is very different. But what surprised me was just the ability to be able to move quickly in biotech versus academia with the restrictions of funding and grants. And so I think it was a pleasant surprise on that front. I will say it's hard when you go from academia not having a ton of exposure to pharma industry. And back then, it was still considered kind of the dark side 
And I think it's because people just didn't know like what you did when you went there. There wasn't a huge shift to have kind of where we are now, where there's actually industry-sponsored fellowships that people can do from academia to get kind of their foot in the door. That wasn't there. And so to have to do that and take a leap of faith, it was the best decision I made for myself. I think just knowing I had to count on my skill set from the medical standpoint, everything would come. But I also was lucky enough to be part of a really great team that helped build me up there as well. Great. Thanks, Montesi. And Timothy, over to you, please walk us through the arc of your career and what you were up to prior to joining Biosite. Sure. I did a PhD in physiology at the University of British Columbia, studying GI hormones that regulate insulin secretion. So that's kind of where I started getting interested in diabetes. Like Monsi, I spent time at Mass General Hospital, did a postdoctoral fellowship there, continued working on islet biology and factors that regulate insulin secretion. And then what really shaped my career was my time at the University of Alberta. When I was there, I was working on gene therapy for diabetes, and my colleagues came up with the Edmonton Protocol for Islet Transplant. What they showed was really remarkable. They infused about a teaspoon of cells, insulin-producing cells, into the portal vein of patients with diabetes, and it essentially got them off insulin for more than a year. In fact, there's now patients off insulin after this procedure for more than a decade. And it was really exciting just to see how life-changing that was for patients. I was then recruited back to Vancouver to the University of British Columbia and decided based on that time in Edmonton to focus the rest of my career on cell therapy for diabetes and trying to come up with a replenishable source. I moved up the ranks to professor at the University of British Columbia, a well-funded lab, tenured position and actually got a call from a headhunter asking if I knew about Viasite and that there was this opening for a CSO. And of course, I did know Viasite. I'd been following them very carefully, but never really considered the transition to industry. I think like Monsi, being trained as an academic, you just don't think that that's an open path to pursue. But I considered it obviously admired what the company was doing and went down and interviewed and talked to people and really got excited thinking this is the best way for me to help patients. And so I took the position last October and feel very fortunate to be working there. Great. Thanks, Timothy. And talk to us about the opportunity that you saw specifically in the cell therapy space and applying that for diabetes. Yeah, so we had done a lot of preclinical work in my lab, collaborated with others. We also started participating in clinical trials. But the key opportunity for me was to join a company that's clearly leading the field. Viasite are the pioneers in figuring out how to convert pluripotent stem cells into islet cells. And that's work that's happened over the more than the last decade. They're also the leaders in terms of moving those cells into clinical trials with patients. In fact, I think it's over 100 patients now that have been implanted with cells produced at Viasite. So for me, it was really that opportunity to take all that training and work I had done working on protocols, doing preclinical studies, and actually work towards translating that into therapies for patients. And that's what I saw as the opportunity and decided to take that leap and leave my tenured position to join Viasite. Must have been quite the compelling story to get you to join Viasite. What are some of the challenges that you now see in the space and application of cell therapy for diabetes? Well, it's a great question. So it's about 22 years now from that seminal work in Edmonton that showed we could get 
patients off insulin with implant of these islet cells from donors. The challenge has been how do we take pluripotent stem cells that can turn into any cell in the body and coax them specifically down the path to make these insulin-producing islets? And Viasite has figured out how to do that. The challenge is how do we scale that up? Because there's literally millions of patients around the world that have diabetes. And how do we do that in a cost-effective manner? It's very time-intensive and expensive to produce doses of cells for patients. The other key hurdle we need to overcome is how do we protect them from immune attack? And I'm sure we'll get into some of the technologies that Viasite's doing to overcome that. But those are what I see as kind of the key challenges and hurdles we need to overcome to reach our goal of getting patients completely off insulin without immunosuppression. Great. Thanks, Timothy. Monsi, if you could please educate us on the unmet need for this particular patient population. Let's, let's start with maybe type 1 diabetes and what you've been seeing and opportunities as well. Absolutely. So, you know, if you think about it, insulin has been around for 100 years. It was discovered in 1921 and we still use it. It's still required in order to be a life-saving therapy for patients with type 1 diabetes. And I think when you think about it in those terms, yeah, we've come a long way in terms of the types of insulin, how fast they act, and the technology that's available to dose that insulin and also check your blood glucose. But we should have been further, right? It's been 100 years. And if you look at any other space, they've had leap years ahead on in terms of how they manage disease. And so I think for me, the unmet need is the fact that we need to do more for these patients. And from a clinical perspective, I've seen, you know, whenever I diagnose someone new with nuance of type 1 diabetes, what does that actually mean to them? Which I think people outside of the diabetes community don't actually understand the intense burden. It's one day you actually are waking up, doing whatever you want, eating whatever you want, not worrying about blood sugar. Like what's your blood sugar going to look like? And the next day you get diagnosed and immediately that really changes the dynamic of that infrastructure for that patient, for the family. That's the impact, everyone around that patient. So you wake up, now you have to check your blood glucose every single morning and sometimes 12 times a day if you're not on a continuous glucose monitor, which will check it every five minutes. You have to dose insulin based on how much you're going to eat. Or if your blood sugar is high, you have to eat something if you're going to go low. Because right now there's actually, there's glucagon, but it's not available in these closed loop devices that give you both insulin and there's no glucagon. And so, you know, we're still so heavily dependent on insulin and insulin still has repercussions where you overdose, you're going to go low. Or if you don't give enough, you're going to stay high. And finding that balance is extremely hard. It's a lot of math. But that can change the moment that you go run, the moment you go for a walk, the moment you eat something that absorbs slowly. And so, you know, the unmet need is finding something that can do that for you. And I think that's why we're so excited about the work we're doing, because cell therapy for us is providing the cells that your pancreas has lost. That's including both beta cells that make insulin and alpha cells that make glucagon. So insulin brings your blood glucose down and glucagon brings your blood glucose up. So you really have that homeostasis. Great. And for both of you now, in an area where perhaps there isn't as much education around type one diabetes for your team that maybe they all haven't worked in the space, how do you tie the mission or educate them on this particular disease if they haven't previously been exposed to it? You know, 
Part of it is from my perspective, I'll tell them my experiences as a clinician. Nothing can really be patient experience. And so we've worked closely with the JDRF and each year we're part of the JDRF One Walk, which is sponsored event by the JDRF to raise awareness and funding for patients with type 1 diabetes and to move research forward. And each year we have patients come talk to our entire company. And the impact that moment has is why you, when you walk into our company, you'll see the passion run through every single person because they are exposed early on what this means for each patient. And only when you recognize it from that perspective, really can you bring home our mission as a company. Yeah, right? I would agree with Monty. I think the sort of people we attract to Viasite are people that do have an awareness of type 1 diabetes and are excited about what we're doing. So I think they know what's going on. They know the hardships that Monsi talked about, and they see the promise in what we're doing. All right. So with that great context on cell therapy in this specific patient population, let's talk about you know, the underlying tech and the exciting work that's going on at Biosite. I'll kick off with giving some kind of broad strokes. So I mentioned that we can now make the insulin-producing cells from stem cells. First thing that's important to note is we can manufacture an unlimited supply of these cells because they proliferate. We're working with pluripotent stem cells, so there's no supply issue, and we can manufacture lots and lots of these cells. In the work in Edmonton that I mentioned, they were infusing these cells into the portal vein. A challenge with that is you can't get the cells back out if you need to or something were to go wrong with the cells. So what Viasite has come up with are encapsulation devices. They're credit card thin. They're about the size of a Band-Aid. Um, and we often liken them to a tea bag. They're made out of membranes. We're working with Gore, who developed Gore-Tex, for example, world's experts in developing membranes. So they've engineered a lot of different membranes that we're testing. And we formulate these pouches that we put the cells in. We seal off the loading port. And they're about Band-Aid sized and designed to be implanted under the skin. And there's patients walking around with these right now. So they have pores that will allow the nutrients in, allow the cells inside to sense changes in blood sugar and automatically release insulin and glucagon, the two key hormones Monsi talked about in a meal regulated manner to control blood sugar. Now, another approach we're working on is with CRISPR gene editing the cells so that they're immune evasive. Remember, our goal is to get patients off insulin without the need for immunosuppression. So we're really excited now that we have patients who have been implanted with these devices containing cells, and they are not on any immunosuppression. Patients with type 1 diabetes who get islet transplants require immunosuppression because it's somebody else's cells and type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disease. And if we replenish the lost beta cells, the immune system would kick in and destroy them again. So we're hoping that this gene edited approach will allow the cells to be immune evasive and survive in the absence of any immunosuppression. And that's being tested clinically now. Great. Sounds like a very exciting time to be at Viasite. I'm curious over the last two years, you know, during the pandemic, we've all had to adapt to a new working environment. And what's been one surprise and perhaps silver lining that you've experienced at Viasite during this time of change? I actually joined Viasite early in the pandemic. And I can tell you what I saw during that time and then what's happened now as we're kind of coming out of it. 
people will, no matter what, from internally, people want this to move forward and they will do whatever it takes, be it being on a hundred Zoom calls, because that's what it takes to get a message across or make sure that we get an endpoint met. And what I also have found that was surprising is actually patience, because the pandemic, no matter what, their patients have still lined up to be part of our studies, even with immune suppression, even with our trial involving surgery, you know, the need is there. It's, it's palpable. And I'm constantly amazed and surprised by patients and their willingness to move this forward. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I came at the tail end of things but there's no shortage of motivation in this company. And I would say COVID really hasn't slowed us down. Great. And to wrap up, given all of your vast experience and achievements during your career, what's one piece of advice that you would provide your younger self? Well, I have a lot of advice I would have given my younger self. (laughs) Some probably not for this podcast, but one important one probably is you always have a voice. And when you have a voice, you can give others a voice as well. And so I would I would encourage my younger self to always recognize that because that's really impacted how I've been able to move in different areas of my career. For me, it would be the advice I've given to trainees in my lab since coming to Viasite, which is don't be afraid to consider other career paths. You know, we get locked down in academia to thinking, you know, that's where we should stay. And the ultimate end is to become a professor in a lab and have have your own lab. You know, that's certainly a great career, but I wish I'd had advice earlier in my career, not to be afraid to think about going to industry. And I see a lot of crosstalk people going to industry and going back to academia and vice versa. I wish I'd considered that earlier because it's just been remarkable to make that transition. Excellent. Well, thanks to both of you for sharing your journey and the exciting work that you and your colleagues are pursuing at Biosite. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to this episode of Biotech 2050. This episode is hosted by me, Rahul Chaturvedi. It's edited and mixed by Megan Lovering. If you enjoyed this episode of Biotech 2050, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at biotech2050pod. Again, that's biotech2050pod. Until next time.